Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, Athletes Made Here. The Sports Performance Center was developed with one goal in mind, to maximize human performance through movement and recovery. Their team of expert performance sports coaches and trainers will guide you to achieve your performance goals. That's the Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, located at the Star in Frisco. This episode is also brought to you by Allen Dental Studio, located off Bethany drive in Allen. Their office was designed with you, the patient, in mind, which means an excellent and enjoyable experience. From cosmetics to implants, you deserve a perfect smile, and Allen Dental Studio can make that happen. Also, don't want to leave out another longtime friend of the podcast, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. With locations in Carrollton and Dallas, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes offers an affordable, high-quality alternative to senior living. Call now at 469-400-7650. That's Texen, spelled T-E-X-S-E-N, Texen Senior Residential Care Homes. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan, Kendrick Johnson, and Brian Murphy. The first round of the high school football playoffs is in the books, so let's try and make sense of just what the heck went down last week. <laughs> um, we've uh, we've bid adieu to uh, to a number of teams from our coverage area. We've still got plenty, though, that are still swinging as the second round looks ahead to later this week. So let's, nevertheless, though, focus on what happened, though, in the first round. Let's just kind of go, uh, I guess, district by district. Just talk some, I guess, the notable plot points we'll at least you know touch on all of the all of the scores and whatnot but just really like the most notable storylines that emerged from this uh, this first week of playoff football um, let's see over in the by district scraps between districts 96a and 106a <laughs> you had a sweep for 96a um, you know three of those four games were fairly well in hand there was a fourth though and that's the one I want to talk about that um, certainly had um, a bit of a thrill to it so um so the scores for um, for that by district slate you had uh, Allen you know uh, taking care of Saxe 55 to 20 you know for a uh, for all those folks who, uh, who thought that Allen might not be able to hang with District 10-6A, well, uh, I'm kidding. No one's ever said that. I was going to say. They, um, yeah, Allen did the Allen thing, won 55-20. You had Jesuit taking care of Lakeview Centennial, 45-14. Prosper scoring a shutout over Wiley, 24-0. And then you had the happenings between McKinney and Naaman Forest. And then some nice little history to this one. First playoff win for McKinney since 1993? 13 to 10 coming on a game-winning field goal to uh, to take down what had been a much improved Naaman Forest team a team that definitely had picked up its level of play over the back half of the regular season Talk about just the history of this one for the Lions, man. A pretty huge win for them. Marcus Shavers. Shavers' first playoff win. Um, and uh, as a 6A coach, he won uh, a couple of love at Chicago, but it's a big difference between 4A and 6A. Mm-hmm. But the, the big thing for McKinney is they had a goal to – get to the playoffs and make noise and they're doing just that mm-hmm. last year they came close didn't get the job done but um, look on the start McKinney Curry Gazette this weekend I'll be doing a, a big feature on their defense mm-hmm. I looked at the numbers they gave up 
114 total yards. It's pretty good. That'll give you a chance to win. That's not the team I saw giving up 500 yards to Prosper and Allen and them. So they have done a 180, and as a result, they've won five games in a row. Mm -hmm. And um, what a cool moment for a guy like Seth Cox. Talk about that because, I mean, he's the one who kicks the field goal, but he also gets thrust into duty at quarterback. Samson Nazarko got taken out like right before they Mm. needed to go go get the winning drive. So Cox comes in, cold off the bench, goes two for three. He even has a couple, has a big 18-yard run for a first down, sets sets himself up for position, and kicks the winning field goal Mm. with no time left. So regardless of when people talk about this game 10 years from now, they're going to have to talk about him and that drive and that play because he gets the winning kick. So that pops to him. He's all-district kicker, too. Yeah, I mean, regardless of what happens with the remainder of their season, though, what a cool moment for a guy like Seth Cox. When you're the backup quarterback getting thrust into a moment like that, um, yeah, that's that's what you you play the game for. Especially since he was pegged going into spring as he was supposed to be the Spartan, Mm -hmm. and he he got beat for the job. So props to him to have the mental fortitude Mm -hmm. that I know coaches say that stay with it and stuff, but he was walking the walk. Mm-hmm. He wasn't just, it wasn't just a cliche talk. You also had over in the bi-district bouts between 6-6-A and 5-6-A some more history, and this was, I mean, Flower Mound, try to, yeah, try to think of a better way to script your first ever playoff win as a program. Flower Mound in, a, in an absolute thriller against Keller, they won 31-30 to <laughs> um, in a game that uh, it looked for a little while there like the uh, the wheels were falling off. So, uh, so Flower Mound was up, no, no, Flower Mound was up 24-10 heading into the fourth quarter and then Keller just catches fire, man. 20 unanswered points to take a 30-24 to 24 lead with 125 left in the game. But then Flower Mound's stud defensive player, Stone Eby, blocks the extra point. Biggest play of Flower Mound season, bar none, because you look at then what happens. So, obviously, then you, Stone Eby, awesome name. <laughs> so, I guess he's, he's going to be the Seth Cox of uh, uh, Flower Mound. They're going to have to talk about him in that play for the rest of his career. They could be proud of that nickname, the Seth Cox of Flower Mound. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, and then um, so then it's uh, you know the ball's left in the in the hands of Blake Short, Flyer Mount stud quarterback, and then he and his his dynamic receiving core go to work, and they're able to work down uh, and eventually get a, a three yard touchdown pass from Short to Reed touchdown Flyer Mount's top receiver with ten seconds left, and the kick the extra point, Bert Auburn makes it, and it's a thirty one to thirty victory for the Jaguars. What a cool moment for that program. It's certainly one that. Uh, they certainly made it a little bit harder on themselves than they, I'm sure they would have liked, but um, but yeah, it's it's a win all the same. Um, yeah, that was obviously the uh, the signature moment in those uh, it, between those four uh, those four by district bouts. Elsewhere, you had Marcus just building off that district championship in emphatic fashion. They rolled over Keller Central, uh, 34 to seven. Um, Southlake Carroll just did. <laughs> I was going to say, do we, uh, do we even want to bring up Louisville? They did the unspeakable. To, they did the, they, I'm not surprised that they won. It's not that. Yeah, they, they did like things that, that should be outlawed in like foreign countries and whatnot this is 84 to 6 how like Louisville is like a, it's a pretty good football team like they were in position to beat Flower Mound they took Marcus to overtime mm-hmm. the only real clunker they had in, uh, in the regular season was uh, was against Hebron nothing that would have forecasted Southlake Carroll just having one of their greatest playoff performances ever that's, that's, and that's saying a lot that's like five state titles I know that's <laughs> yeah no Southlake Carroll had a uh, that was a score that I mean you would have thought it was like them versus like a you know a four win team that kind of backdoored its way into the playoffs. Not a team that won seven, eight games and whatnot. Had a spectacular regular season. But that's, hey, fair play to the Dragons, man. They're probably going to be hanging around for a bit in the, in the postseason. Offense is potent. Yeah. And then um, then you had, you know, Hebron, which gave Geyer a, a heck of a half, at least. And then uh, Cater Cobbs just took over in the second half, and Geyer was able to 
pull away for a 50 to 30 victory there. Um, so yeah, they uh, you know they split the by district slate two to two between six six a and five six a, um, and then you have uh, over an eleven six a Devin Mesquite getting the uh, getting the job done in a dominant fashion against Colleen Shoemaker fifty two to six. What do you uh, what do you make of that of uh, that eye opening performance by the Skeeters? I mean it's. It, 11-6A, I thought, altogether was pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, obviously, it's you got the reigning Division II champions, Longview, that took care of their business. Rockwall, the team that nobody wants to play. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just an interesting uh, second-round match. Someone's going to yeah. have to on Friday. But, yeah, but as, <laughs> as far as, as, as Mesquite goes... Um, you know, it, we don't get to see that that twelve six A Central yeah. Texas district, so it's kind of hard to match up. Mm -hmm. But um, I did I didn't think they were going to go out there and dominate the way they were on both sides of the ball. I mean, they were able to run the ball, they were able to throw the ball, mm -hmm. um, you know, moving the ball up and down the field at will. And their defense, I mean, they allowed one touchdown in the second quarter, and then they just put the clamps on Shoemaker. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, fifty two to six in the final, uh, their first playoff win since two thousand twelve. So they move on and into the area finals to face Prosper in what I think, you know, that 11-6A, 9-6A has some interesting matches. I think mm -hmm. those two, oh, that yeah. one and Allen and Rockwell in particular yes. are going to be, is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, to, uh, to give some insight to the Shoemaker, I know the head coach um, Toby Foreman from when I was out in Beaumont. He said they basically, he inherited them. They had lost like 27 games in a row. Mm -hmm. This is the first time they've been in the playoffs. So they were kind of just happy to get there. Thought they were good enough to Get by my ski team, but mm. he's very impressed with the skeeters. Yeah. Is, that, is that why you pick Shoemaker? Because you're tied your ties with the coach? <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd <laughs> Yeah, I'm not mad at it. Yeah, no, <laughs> me neither, man. Hey, so should Prosper be worried about Mesquite? Are they are they playing their best? No, you, right. you know, it's, it's it's when you look at their last three games, they're one and two. But they also closed the season with Rockball and Longview, and they did some good things against two, mm -hmm. you know, one one legitimate state contender, one a lot of people think can be a state contender in Rockwall. Um, you know, they're eight and three overall in the season, and I think, I mean, that coaching staff has shown, you know, with Coach Fleener and that assistant staff in the last two years, taking a team that was just down in the dumps, make, making the playoffs last year, uh, breaking through there, and then taking it a step further this year, not only just making it to the playoffs for the second straight year, but taking it to the area round. I mean, this is a Mesquite, a Mesquite team that's going to be ready. Obviously, Prosper, um, is, you know, has faced some good competition, you know, themselves this year. Uh, they're a very good team. I think they're a team that is kind of overlooked when you look at the, you know, the local landscape. But um, I mean, I think it's one of the more intriguing second round matchups in, in the state. Yeah. I agree, and I'm trying to get a gauge to see. <laughs> pick, pick a line. That's what I'm getting. At. That's right. We got high sticks in the ticket line right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously, Prosper and Mesquite. That's going to be one of our game of the week candidates on our website, StartLocalMedia.com. Ditto for Allen Rockwall. Ditto, ditto for. Some fun stuff at the uh, at the five A level, which we can get to in a quick bit after a word from this sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. Fourteen newspapers and websites with a print distribution of two hundred and seventy thousand homes and monthly page views of six hundred thousand online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now let's get back to the podcast. And we are back as we continue to look back on the first round of the high school football playoffs. We have talked um, some classes, some class six A. So let's shift gears, talk some five A. Let's um, let's begin over in Division One, where um, yeah, we can try to kind of make sense of what the results were after one uh, after one round of the playoffs over in five A Division One. Um, for five five A Division One, you had uh, those collective schools go two and two in their by district matchups against six five A. You had Lone Star and Independence advancing. Lone Star, which shut out Mansfield Legacy. 
Legacy, 35 zip. Um, Independence, which you saw, Brian, they took care of uh, Mansfield Timberview 4328. Um, Wickland, you know, fell by the wayside as to be expected against Highland Park 33 to 10. Um, the game I was at Thursday, um, I got to see uh, the Colony put up a uh, put up a fight against a, a state-ranked Lancaster team that was one of the more uh, one of the more high-toned uh, by district matchups in our coverage area, and wound up being a pretty good game. I was front and center for this one because of uh, you know, capacity in the press box. I was relegated to the sidelines for this one. So um, <laughs> I've wondered why you're down the sidelines. Maybe he's just choosing something different. No, no, dude, in that weather, trust me, it was, <laughs> I was, it was, it was a necessity. Yeah, yeah, I had to be. But, um, but nevertheless, those, um, the story of this game was just the Lancaster defense, which we had talked about coming in with this being the uh, the cliched battle of high, high-powered offense versus shutdown defense. And, you know, the Colony did have, you know, it's some of its Colony-esque moments, you know, where they would get a, a couple huge chunk plays to uh, to Christian Gonzalez, including a, uh, a 75-yard touchdown in the, in the fourth quarter that you know pulled him back to within a score um, but outside of that you know the colony was able to string together a nice little sustained drive to end the first half a lot of direct snaps to miles price and end with them uh, you know getting on the uh, you know getting at least a little bit of momentum heading into the half but outside of that they didn't really have a whole lot for Lancaster's defense a lot of that was really uh, kind of a symptom of just the speed that Lancaster has up front I mean they forced a, a number of errant throws by uh, by Mikey Harrington who had a, a rough a rough game you know three interceptions and on his uh, on his end, um, four turnovers total for uh, for the colony and just. How many turnovers did Lancaster have? Because they, they turned the ball over. They turned the ball over twice. I want to say yeah, twice. Yeah, I, I know they had to pick six. Was mm. that the only defensive score? Yes. Yeah, had... yeah, and that's how they, that was the first points of the ball yeah. game. Was yeah, just a uh, like a, a short little screen pass that DB read it perfectly and he was off to the uh, off to the races. Um, and yeah, and then you just you look at just across some of the uh, the numbers that the colony put up. You know, Miles Price has held under 100 total yards of offense. Keith Miller committed to Colorado. He had two catches for two yards. Um, I never see that. I've I've seen the colony play four times this year mm. and. All three of their guys, Gonzalez, Miller, and Miles Price, they've all scored a touchdown in every game I've seen them play <laughs> this year. At least one touchdown. I've seen Miles Price do everything in one game, where he, that one game we had an interception, <laughs> two kick return for touchdowns, and he caught a touchdown. It's just crazy that the Lancaster defense is that good, and they're going to face another high-powered offense. We'll get to that in a sec. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see what Kendrick has to say about that. Because... I mean, yeah, so Miles Price, yeah, I mean, he did have a, a monster kickoff return, as he will be one to do. You think you tweeted out, like, why do teams still do why this? Why do teams still kick it? Just man. kick it out of bounds. Onside kick it. You have a better chance. He was a sophomore. Yeah, it's, it baffles me that team's still even remotely kicking his direction. And it would have been for a touchdown. He did kind of slow up near the goal line, I guess, thinking that he had a, a clear oh, path, miles. and he got tripped up at the one. And then uh, then Camden Wesley, their other freshman running back, punched it in on the, uh, you know, one, uh, one play later. Um, you know, but the, all that being said, though, the colony was still in this game late. You know, they had to make a big push there in the in the third quarter and actually cut it down to two points. They were down, you know, 23 to, uh, to 7, I want to say. And it looked like Lancaster was just kind of running away with this thing. And, you know, the colony is able to strike back and they get within a score. Um, but then just the kind of the those small little, like, the, the, ball, the, the plays that Lancaster made versus the ones that the colony made when it mattered. You know, both teams had fourth down attempts in opponent territory in the uh, late third quarter, early fourth quarter. Lancaster turns theirs into a long touchdown run the colony gets stuffed on theirs and then you have um so after christian gonzalez caught a 75 yard touchdown you cut the gap to uh, to within one score after a, a two-point conversion you get to see one aspect which i mean we'll preview next week's matchup when they play mckinney north but an aspect of lancaster that's certainly something to be very very uh, leery of and that's just the, the ground game that they have and the ability to really drain that clock because they salted this game 
away with. I want to say it was like a 14-play drive that lasted seven minutes. Um, just Trey Bradford, the quarterback, Glenn Rice Jr., who Karan Nesbitt. I mean, you brought up Trey Bradford. The basketball team. Mm-hmm. Who was the best player on the field? Was it Trey Bradford for either side? Trey Bradford was okay. probably the running back. Yeah, yeah the that's kind of what I was getting yeah. at. I wanted to see. What I mean, he had almost was. 250 yards rushing. I want to say. I want to say, and um, yeah, you know, he was he was spectacular. He was a handful, and they just it was a, it was a case where the colony actually like despite playing from behind, they actually did fare pretty well defensively. It felt like early on, you know, I mean, of those the 23 points that they allowed in the first half, and one was on a pick six, and another was on a safety. So I mean, it's they they held up all right. It was just as the game wore on that you began to see the strength of that uh, of that Lancaster O line and the running game just really really take hold and yeah I mean it was an impressive showing by Lancaster you know they had a defense that came in allowing you know right around 13 points per game um, so I mean naturally you expected the colony to find ways to clear that but just relative to what the colony had done elsewhere um, yeah just an impressive impressive showing by Lancaster um, was there anything I guess elsewhere in 558 D1 that jumped out to you Brian or just kind of business as usual I saw a lot of people picking Timberview to win that game against really? Independence really just because of what they did last year yeah just, on the colony yeah and and, and I, I think you know I don't but know. But it's not the same Timberview team. I, uh. It's it's not. But I just I mean that was just on on my social media just seeing different picket lines and stuff. I mean there was a lot more people that were picking Timberview I saw than Independence. Mm-hmm. So uh, not to that. say it was an upset by any stretch of the imagination. I, I just think maybe maybe it was are we not 100 percent sold on Independence? On but our, they went out there and showed. What was it on our picket line? Was it? Ours ours were, were were but like say. Yeah. I, Looking around, just seeing social media reactions. I didn't notice that. Yeah, no, that kind of surprised me. That, uh, that I felt like that was just one of those games being on a Thursday, and then you know we all picked in. I I, I knew Independence was going to win, and so I didn't even like that. Wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't even a game that I like even thought about looking at. Oh, did other people pick Timberview? <clears throat> I mean, Independence, uh, they're pretty good. Like they, Timberview, they were able to to take away their their passing game. Mm-hmm. T- Independence is has one of the more potent you know aerial assaults in the. In the area, but you know the running game really, really uh, impressed me. I found out Dwayne Orr, the running back, is I'm assuming the younger brother of Zachary Orr, the UNT stud that went to play for the Ravens. Okay, because oh. Zach Orr, dad, 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 Terry played in the NFL. Terry Orr, yeah. So Zach Orr, he tweeted me because I tweeted something about Dwayne Orr. I, I, I mean, we were at UNT the same time, but I don't know Zach Orr uh, personally or anything. But he tweeted me. He said, "Yeah, there's another Orr coming up." And I was like, okay. So, so Dwayne Orr is a sophomore. The Orr pipeline. Yeah, yeah, like, hey, it's an NFL pipeline. Yeah. And, and Dwayne, man, Dwayne, Dwayne Orr is really making a name for himself uh, with Independence. So they're they're not just one-dimensional. It's not just, you know, Kion Wafer and Zylil McMillan, you know, catching passes from, mm-hmm. from Braylon Braxton. Braylon Braxton kind of doing his thing with his feet. You know, they have a really good rushing attack. They also have Reggie Bush, speaking of NFL players. No, Reggie Bush. Yeah, one of the greatest college uh, players of all time. And he's booting some field goals, yeah. and he, he's a change of pace running back for them. And... Uh, he's got some some Under Armour All American something in his bio. I don't some mm-hmm. U sixty. I don't know. But he's he's an up and coming player. Mm-hmm. So Independence, they're they're in good shape. I, we'll see what they can do um, what they can do this week. But I mean, five five A Division one was about as expected. Mm-hmm. I we expected a two two split. Highland Park you know, took care of business against Wakeland, obviously. It's funny, a 35-0 win for a team in a playoffs would be just awesome and monumental for everyone else. But for Lone Star, it's like, what's going on? Why are you only Is something wrong? 35 to nothing? <laughs> it's not until 35 nothing's how it happened. Like, they scored 35 points, and yeah. Greg Francis like, North scored 63, and only had seven in the second half, could have called off the dogs. Mm-hmm. So if they would have did in the first half, it would have been like, so, okay. So Marvin, they didn't call off the dogs. They need the dogs to do something. They did. So Marvin Mims, he suited up for this game. He didn't record a catch. I don't. I'm not seeing anything in the, in the stat sheet of him being involved. 
I don't know if that has anything to do with him. You know, he committed to OU earlier the same day after decommitting uh, from Stanford, and I know Matt's happy about that. He's an OU guy. Boomer Sooner. I feel like Oklahoma gets brought up on every podcast. And As they should. I have to see Matt's win. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I, I don't know, but you know they they got this 35 shutout win without Mims being a factor at all. They had other guys step up. It really shows you the depth of of Lone Star. I mean, Garrett Rangel still threw for 200 yards and three touchdowns without yeah. Marvin Mims in a playoff game in his first ever playoff game as a sophomore. He's a sophomore. He's only a sophomore, man. He's a stud. He visited Baylor this weekend, according to his Twitter. They need a quarterback. So, they do, and so the, the the future is bright for Rangel. And you know, two of their first three drives, they lost a fumble, and then they punted on another one. Mm-hmm. So that kind of you know attributes to the slow start. You know, they they turn the ball over more times than they're they're accustomed to. I believe they turned the ball over four times. They turned the ball over yeah three times. Uh, two of them coming on the the first three drives. So that that's kind of why there was that slow start. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to assume they they won't be starting that way um, very often here on out in the playoffs, but. If they start slow, potentially in the next round against Highland Park, if they can get by uh, College Station, then then they're going to have some problems against teams like that. They're able to get by against a legacy team that's not as good as it was in the past, but we'll see. Hopefully, that doesn't happen. One of the uh, one of the the notable subplots to emerge, at least in the uh, kind of the bottom half of that uh, of that Region Two uh, bracket, was what happened with Lufkin losing to Texas High, and all of a sudden now that kind of opens up a road for a team like an Independence, or as we can now transition to talking some seven five eight Division One Bikini North. Yeah, and it's funny because I talked to Coach Story because they, like I said, they played their game Thursday night Independence, and so mm-hmm. Coach Story, you know, he didn't, he wasn't saying, you know, we're getting ready for one team or another, but when I I asked him about you know potential matchup because obviously Lufkin and Texas High didn't play till the next night. He mentioned Lufkin it, it you know back to back sentences. I use it in my story for for quotes and he didn't mention Texas High. So we were we were all assuming Lufkin was going to win that game. So they're kind of already thinking. He even compared Lufkin to Lone Star. So he was like, hey, you know we got to that's how what kind of game plan it. We'll look at Lufkin like we're playing Lone Star yada yada yada. And now they're playing well, Texas it, High. It was it was it was a one versus four. It was a Lufkin team that was nine and one with a three point loss to Longview as their only, you know, <laughs> setback, and they How pretty much rolled all the way through. I don't, I can't look overlook anybody. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. Did and Texas High came to them. Yeah. What? Did John Taylor win? No. Yeah. But that's but that's what you kind of, when you look kinda of at the matchups, you think you know, McKinney North was the undefeated district champion. They took care of business in, mm-hmm. in a typical McKinney North way. But you know, Poteet finished second. Well Poteet got handled relatively easily by Magnolia and then John Tyler goes out there and gets you know, College Station, you know, had their way with them. So you would just think, you know, going down the line that, oh, okay, Texas High is gonna lose by fifty to Lufkin, but maybe we'll also go back to what we talked about in August. And in July, getting that top seed was going to be key to making a run. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 it's start shaking out again. I'm not going to say but I told y'all, but I told you. But didn't, didn't, didn't work for Lufkin. Lufkin hosted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about 7 5 Because you saw what happened with John Tyler last year. Mm-hmm. Everybody got beat. They made a run. North's in that slot now. Yeah, so what is the vibe on McKinney North? Because they're prepping for certainly a, a nice step up in competition with them getting ready they, for, they, uh, for they, Lancaster. They're focused on the challenge, but the, they kept talking about all year, where we can play better. I'm thinking, like, what you talking about? They, they showed out on Sunday, on Friday night. These guys had the ball nine times and scored nine times in the first half mm-hmm. with 63 points on 525 yards in a playoff game. I'll just, I'll just about do it most nights. And, <laughs> and, and, and what did they give up in the yeah. first half? First half, 30, thirty-eight. No, they, they, they don't. <laughs> see, I show you. He don't even know the score. It was seventy to thirty-six. 
<laughs> well, you did well, say 38, so just two points off. Well, yeah, I was yeah, going to say. Whole yeah, game, I, I, mean, in the first half. I, I just remember that's why people were t- joking about them scoring 100, because they were scoring at will, but they weren't necessarily stopping Magnolia West. Yeah. So as long as they hung around, McKinney was going to keep the you know keep their foot on the gas. And, yeah. and if they would have kept that same pace, they would they would hit the hundred. They score, yeah, they scored twenty nine in the first half and whatnot. So still, I mean, yeah, it's I think I what someone tweeted out like uh, defense is going to be the death of McKinney North at some point in the playoffs or whatnot. But we'll see. I mean, again, it's but now all of a sudden with Lufkin out of the picture though, it does really open up. Yeah. Like you can now think like there's, it's conceivable that a North or or an Independence could conceivably get three, four rounds deep. Maybe run into a Lone Star or a Highland Park at some point. That's like that's what John Tyler did last year. Mm-hmm. They ran into uh, Highland Park in the regional finals and had them. I don't even say on the ropes. They had them on a standing eight. Yeah. Box it term and they let them off the yeah. hook. Because they were about 21. That John Tyler team was hot, though. Because they had just mm-hmm. been Lone Star in the round before that. Because yeah, I saw them play. Man, they were Texas Arcana this year. Yeah. Yeah. It could be Texas High who we haven't yeah. exactly yeah. mentioned. But um, the North and Lancaster game, we'll see who. Everybody talks about how good Lancaster defense is. Mm-hmm. I know the being in the press box, the Lancaster co- coaches were very complimentary of North to the point where when Mark Wish threw his fifth touchdown, they're like, oh, we'll see them next week. They left at halftime. <laughs> they knew who was up. Yeah. But um, the, 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 it'll be coming down to who's the, uh, whose unit is going to, if their defense is going to outshine North's offense because they said they're going to do what they do. They basically told me their game plan. They're going to try to press them and go one-on-one. College State or Magnolia West did that and they got burnt. But um, mm-hmm. I think what people underestimate is they think their team, first it was the narrative, they got Brandon Frazier. We got double team in, we take him out. Then it was JJ. Now they got the running game. That's going to be very interesting to see how they plan because they go one on one, it's going to be a shootout. Yeah. So, well, and, and Fincher was their leading rusher. Yeah. And Fincher, on, on he, Friday. Yeah, he, he's, um, he's um, got an injury. He has a cast on. I don't, I don't know the go go disclose everything, but the Jaden Smith, look out for him. It's gonna be next year's running back. He had a good showing. He had 120 and two touchdowns. He's like, oh, I, I can do that this year. <laughs> so even even though they have the areas leading rusher banged up, the running game won't take that much of a thing. I was surprised by that. So pops to him. He's a sophomore. But the the the, the game will come down to. Who turns the ball over the last? Because I look through, Lancaster has a t- tendency to be casual, um, but they have the offense, to, I mean, the defense to bail them out. I think they got two to three D1ers. Y'all would know better than me. In that secondary, have legit D1ers. Yeah, for sure. Now, yeah, that'll be one of the uh, one of the bigger matchups in our coverage docket for this coming week. McKinney, North, and Lancaster. That one's going down out in Irving, of all places. That's um, the neutral site. That's right yeah, between yeah. McKinney and Lancaster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, plenty of eyeballs will be on that one. We can close this out with a quick look at what happened in 7-5A Division Two. Um Brian, anything notable that jumped out to you there? You had Frisco taking care of Greenville, 44-12. to um, Braswell um, beating Corsicana by 21, 49-28. Lovejoy got Ralph Rucker back. Didn't matter. Roy City doubled him up, 42-21. And then Reedy had a rough go against Ennis. We thought there was a chance that might be a closer game than you'd think from a 1-versus-4 matchup, but nope, silly us. Ennis was, uh, was very much up to the task, and they shut out Reedy 34-zip. to zip. Yeah, it was very disappointing. Just a bunch of blowouts across the board. <laughs> yeah. Frisco was close in that game with Greenville. They were giving them a game in the first half, and no. then Frisco kind of just has a little too much. They pulled away in the second half. Mm-hmm. I was kind of monitoring um, that game because that was also on Thursday. And when I was in the press box at uh, Memorial, I was even sitting next to um, Heritage head coach Kenneth Gilchrist at the game. He was just checking, you know, Independence out, just yeah. supporting, you know, Frisco ISD. And we were talking. He said, "Man, Greenville showed up to play. They're they're giving Frisco a game." And then when I checked again later on uh, the second half, they 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 had pulled away and. But Reedy, man, that was that was the disappointing one. You know, really a no show, and you know, thirty-four nothing getting shut out. And you gotta think, man, like 
that obviously we've said it all year. It's not the same team they had last year. Most of these guys either didn't play in that playoff game or weren't even on the varsity roster at Reedy last year in that playoff game. So this is their first playoff game. They're you know they're throwing a lot of sophomores and juniors out there. You know Jalen Kitten had a had a rough goal of it, seven of 17, 56 yards, an interception. I mean, what can you expect? It, you know, making your first ever postseason appearance here, you in Ennis on the road, maybe a little, maybe a little not starstruck, maybe a little, mm-hmm. you know, wide eyed and and whatnot. This team will be back. They picked up a lot of experience. They'll miss Will Harbor though, and I'm going to miss him too. Is he the best player in Frisco? Uh, no, he's Mark the best player. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the best player in that district, off the top of my head. Seven five A. Division two, um, you know. I mean, what player have you seen dominate the game in all three phases like that at the five A level? Oh yeah, he's Price. Not <laughs> well, yeah. Special teams because with kickoffs, but th- this dude boots forty plus yard field goals with ease. He's their best, li- probably the best linebacker in the district, and he's their Wildcat quarterback. He scored. I don't even know how many touchdowns he scored in his career, but it's Where's a lot. Going? He is going to rise. Navy, 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 yeah, Navy. Always in the mix for a utility yeah. player of the year when it's time oh, for yeah. uh, all area voting and whatnot. Yeah, he was a district MVP a year ago as a junior, so uh, he will be missed for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you got a fan, Will. You got a fan. So, so yeah, that's a, that is a look at um, just some of the happenings within the first round of the playoffs in our coverage area. Plenty of fun stuff on the docket later this week. We got five games that are up for consideration for game of the week. You can go to our website, StarLocalMedia.com on which one's the biggest and we'll be back on Thursday to discuss that game and some other stuff um, yeah folks appreciate sure for checking this out in the meantime y'all keep enjoying your week and we will talk to y'all later looking to hire top talent in your community look no further than starlocaljobs.com our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area with starlocaljobs.com you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.